there's lots of studies out there about how uh, grateful people are happier, how it raises your energy level. I don't think it's talked about that much in terms of the money or financial world, but grateful people actually make more money. Um, And there's studies that have shown they have higher incomes. There's studies that have shown that people that give more actually make more. And people think, oh, I'll give more when I make more. But I believe that um, generosity actually precedes prosperity. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to The Pursuit. I'm your host, Ben Spangle. First of all, I want to thank you all for listening. Thank you for all the comments, the messages, the DMs, all of it. I pay attention to every single one of them. Thank you so much. And you know, we've been talking about money for a while on our show. Obviously, we've had several guests in the past. And, and I got to tell you, I'm so excited for you today to be listening or watching whatever platform you're on to get to hear from Ellen Rogan. We were having a great conversation prior to this. And I'm telling you, you are going to love love what we're going to talk about today. Let me tell you a little bit about Ellen, just so you know, too. So she actually comes from the financial planning background. She's a CPA, CFP, New York Times bestselling author. Uh, I think it was your book, Picture Your Prosperity, if I remember correctly. Yes. And uh, New York Times bestselling author, USA Today, Amazon. I mean, big time. She's a huge thought leader. I know she's been in tons of media publications, PBS, uh, NPR, pardon me, CNBC. Uh, I say you did a talk on TED Talks as well. And um, she had built, everybody, just so you know, too, built and sold a very successful wealth management business. And her whole message, which I'm so excited for you to be listening, is prosperity on purpose. And I love this term. Any of you guys that have been listening to the show for a while know I'm all about abundance, but I hadn't heard this one, being an abundance activist. And I think we need more of that, Ellen. So I'm so excited to have you. Thanks for coming on. Oh, my gosh. Thrilled to be here with you, Ben. Thank you. Um, hey, let's. Uh, I always love to begin because I think it's good for the audience to get to know you. Tell us a little bit about you, your story, and uh, how you got into what you're doing now. I was a um, resistant, uh, kicking and screaming CPA. Like I ended up in that world because it seemed like the thing I should do, and I, you know, got an A in accounting, and hated it because I was always looking back at the past, and then ended up getting into financial advising. And did that for a very long time. And the thing that was most interesting to me was how people made financial decisions, how some people could have a lot of money and still be really worried about it, that it wasn't going to be okay. And other people could have tons of contentment, regardless of where they were at financially. Really fascinating. And over the years, I, as I was working with clients, but also kind of on the side, I really explored that and wrote a couple books. Um, and so what really drives me now is this vision of, wow, wouldn't it be amazing if the world could see money as a force for good Mm -hmm. and be so aligned with their purpose and feeling comfortable with their finances that they can stop asking, am I going to be okay? And start asking, how much can I give? Hmm. That's wonderful. You know, it's interesting as you say that too, just the idea of really getting people to understand that, that money can be a force for good. Um, which we're, but by the way, we're going to jump into some gold right away here. Uh, I think there's a lot of people that don't feel that as you know, right? I know we know that. And so I want to jump right into this, how you you said it so good. You can have money. Some people do have money, but they're so tight with it and they're so scared of it or losing it. Why don't we jump right into this idea of your relationship with money and that concept? 
And the fact that you even asked the question that way, like your relationship with money, because we do have a relationship with our money. Mm. And one of the easiest ways for people to kind of understand this is if we personified money and we said it was a relationship. And if you thought about your relationship with money, like you have your other personal relationships, Mm -hmm. how would it be? Like if you were in a personal relationship and you were always like, I don't trust you. I don't have anything to do with you. Someone else take care of you. That wouldn't work very well. Or, you know what? You're a necessary evil. Can you imagine dating somebody or being, you know, in a committed relationship with them and go, you know what? You're a necessary evil. I don't really want to handle you. Or I'm so afraid you're going to leave me. Like that just wouldn't work. Mm. And when you have that energy towards your money, I actually think that's what shows up for you. You know, there's this really interesting um, phenomenon I've seen over the years, and my sense is you have two in the work that you do, Ben, is that when you can come at your money with a more abundant attitude, a more, um, a, a better, healthier relationship with your money, all of a sudden things start to happen so much more easily and effortlessly. It's almost uh, mystifying and magical that when you can come at things with that viewpoint, things happen. It doesn't mean you don't take action, Mm. but that is a huge driver towards uh, getting the results that you really desire. Yeah. That's I've, I've heard the relationship by money concept, but not in the way you just said it there. And I think that is the greatest way to ever explain um, money. And, and obviously if, if you have thoughts like that of it's a necessary evil or, you know, <laughs> these, these thoughts about that. How could you ever be in a relationship with someone else like that? And then everyone listening to think about it. I mean, I'm sure that was profound for a lot of people, but if you think about that concept of how can you expect more money to show up in your life in an abundant way, if that's the way we feel. So give give us some tips for people that say, okay, well, I, I think I need to examine my relationship with money. What kind of tips would you give for people to do that? Well, I would start with, you know, when I I um, actually like to have conversations with money, I do this through journaling Okay. and yeah. money gives me answers. It gives me answers for myself and for other people. And I think even though I wasn't realizing that's what I was doing, but when I wrote my book, I did that a lot and things mm-hmm. would just kind of come through. And one of the things that I know is m- money really sees that so many people are fearful of it. And it doesn't work. And so the first thing I would say is um, to really examine, like, how, in what ways are you afraid of money? And it could be, I'm afraid in my business, I won't earn as much. I know you work with a lot of entrepreneurs. Mm-hmm. Uh, what if what if my clients leave? Um, I'm really not confident about making financial decisions. And that, like, fear is, um, it's like driving in the fog. You can get there. You may make money. You may have a business that grows, but it's so much harder. Mm. And it feels so much more stressful to be driving in the fog. And um, I think we just get so used to having these um, replaying thoughts about money. I know you do a lot of work with our our beliefs. and um, But those make uh, it's, it's like they're ridges, like when you drive in the snow and people keep taking the same route. Mm-hmm. That's what those beliefs do. And it's it can be um, a challenge for us to move out of those, but it's certainly certainly possible to do. And I think the first step in that is noticing. 
just mm. noticing what beliefs you have about money, being aware. Mm. Yeah, that's so good. And and I think too on that idea of people noticing our beliefs. If if you're struggling with that, I mean, I, I couldn't agree more. Journaling is such a powerful tool. Right? It's amazing the answers you can get to questions with the power of a journal. Um, but if you're wondering, you know, do I have empowering beliefs? I mean, we, uh, results always tell us, right? You agree on that? I mean, you know, they, they can tell us what kind of beliefs we have. They may not tell us the exact ones, but what kinds we have, whether they're empowering or disempowering. Yeah. I, and I think that there's also this compassion you can have with yourself because mm-hmm. we can use that as a way um, to feel badly. I mean, I know you've probably seen this in the financial services industry. There's so much focus for people that work in that industry about how much money you're making. Mm. And it's often there's rankings within companies about how well you're doing. And I know for many years, I didn't feel good about what I was doing. And I, and it was like a drag. It was like having a two-year-old hanging onto my ankles and trying to walk ahead. And so, yes, to know, and then to have some self-compassion. Okay. Lots of people feel this way. Mm. I'm noticing lots of people feel this way. And, you know, a next step, and this is really based on some of the work of Kristen Neff, who's an expert in self-compassion. And that sounds kind of like this fluffy, like, oh no, I need to tough it out. But they found that self-compassion is better than, than um, self-esteem for actually getting you towards your goals. And so the, at a very high level, some of the three steps she talks about is being mindful, like, oh, I'm noticing I have these thoughts, mm-hmm. um, realizing it's part of the human condition. We mm-hmm. all have fearful thoughts. We're not going to be Mary Sunshine all the time. Mm-hmm. And then giving yourself some self-compassion and the way that might look is if you had a great mentor or coach or someone that's your, your grandma or someone who's always encouraging to you, what mm-hmm. would they say? Yeah, that's natural. It's hard at first. You're going to do great. And you can actually write yourself a letter and it may seem goofy, but it's super powerful. That's phenomenal. Such, such great advice right there um, with that. If, as people are thinking about this and they're thinking, okay, yeah, I want to improve this. I know I do. So here's some good tips. Be mindful. Realize this is just part of being human. Um and then taking some steps on on being a great coach. What have you found in the work that you've done as pe- as you watch people make some major shifts in their life? And they went from maybe struggling or negative emotions with it to abundant and prosperous. And what would you say are some of the, the common, maybe new thought patterns or new beliefs that people have developed that have helped them lead that more abundant life? Um. Ben, There's I think lots I'm of studies share out there based about on actions how, to take. Uh, grateful perfect. people, then happier, how it raises and your energy level. Two that seem I don't to think be it's talked about um, that much. Maybe in terms of the money. I'll start with the two that were top of my mind. But really seem to actually make turn the switch money. a little bit. Hmm. Um, and, and there's studies that have shown they have higher incomes. Which I know there's, there's studies that have shown that people that give more actually make more. And people think, oh, I'll give more when I make more. Mm. But I believe that um, generosity actually precedes prosperity because Mm. when you're gripping, grasping onto what you have, like, I'm so afraid I'm not going to be okay. And for those of you listening and not watching this, I have my um, fists clenched. If you've got your fists clenched, you can't possibly receive. Mm. And then when you open things up, you're um, allowing more to come in. 
and you're loosening that grip. Hmm. You're also really coming to a place of um, doing something for someone else. You know, everyone listening to this, I don't know, is better off than most of the people in the world who just are. Mm-hmm. You may have struggles. I'm not trying to say that it's easy all the time, but we always have something we can be thankful for. And um, and I think generosity is the physical manifestation of your gratitude, just to mm. tie those two around. So gratefulness mm. and generosity. And I'm really talking about um, right now, uh, financial generosity. Mm. Yes. Volunteering makes people who volunteer live longer. They're healthier. There's huge benefits of that. And giving of your financial resources is important as well. And I I feel like they're kind of cousins, generosity and gratitude. Um, They found that when people are financially generous, there's something that happens in your brain um, called subjective wealth. Hmm. And it's like, if you gave $500 to charity, it's in your brain, you translate that into feeling as good as getting a $10,000 raise. So it's wow. this, it's, it's kind of like, oh, I must be wealthy if I'm able to give that, which, so it's a little counterintuitive, but I yeah. think it's a really important strategy to get into and to have some kind of automatic giving plan, just like we know in financial planning, you should have an automatic savings plan to save off the top. I think when you have a systematic giving plan, you're greasing the engine to have those results happen easily as well. Very cool. Very cool. So what if I'm listening? I'm saying, Ellen, that sounds really good. And I know you said it earlier, but I want to hear (laughs) what you say to someone. They said, that sounds really good, but I I'm just paying the bills right now. There's yeah. no place for me to give. Um, but when I am making more money, I, I, that sounds like a good idea. Yeah. Um, and that may be like, if you're running a deficit and you're like, you know, you're not keeping up, but um, I get it. And could you give uh, say yes. When someone on the street asks you for money, just give them a dollar. Could you mm. do that? Could you, um, you know, charities, it's not just all like the Gates Foundation and Warren Buffett and Oprah, like they rely on $25 and $50 contributions. So a small amount can make a big difference. And just that ability to help somebody else, you know, makes a, makes a really big difference. So it doesn't have to be, uh, you know, 10% of your income or 20% or whatever's like the right percent for you when you start start. Mm-hmm. It can be whatever you can do. Hmm. So it's really starting with something, starting small, more, more the act of putting yourself in that position of doing it to experience what I think you call it subjective wealth. Is that correct? Yeah. And um, just, I was talking um, on a, a workshop yesterday and mm-hmm. the woman who was running it had done some work with me. And one of the things I ask after I have an individual consultation with someone is that they make a charitable contribution. It's kind of like thanking money for providing them with insights. And what she ended up doing, she was about to write a check to a charity and she was in a shoe store, Allbirds, and was trying on shoes. And there was a postal worker there. And this was about a year ago where in the States, the postal workers were just like getting slammed in the media and having a really hard time and with COVID. And uh, there was a guy there who was trying on the shoes and he found out how much they cost. And he's like, well, I can't afford that. Even though he's on his feet all day. And she went up without making a big deal and said, just, I want to pay for these shoes for this guy. 
and just left. He came running after her and she was like, no, I just wanted to say thank you. I didn't really need a thank you from you. When she told me yesterday is that act switched everything for her. And in her business, all of a sudden, an investor that she didn't even know was going to be out there showed up. She had other cash infusions. And it's not just this metaphysical, like, oh, I gave money and something came back. Although I do believe that happens not always from the same person, Mm -hmm. but it was she opened up, let go of some of that fear just to circle back. Like, how do you let go of that? Because she realized she made an impact for someone. And what I love about that story, every time I hear her tell it, I get the goosebumps. And I'm like, oh, how can I go out and make a difference for someone like that? Hmm. That's a great story and a great example of, of that. And I think giving really does. It opens the door for receiving, um, which is a wonderful thing. But not to give just so you can receive, though. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of that. Um, it's not give to get. I know right. in your industry, there's like this old school, like you give me a referral, I'll give you a referral. Right. It's give to give and being open to receiving. And it was when I had my practice and still now it's a big part of my marketing plan is, okay, who can I give referrals to? Hmm. How can I help them? And I know it'll come back and not always from that other person. I mean, there is this law of reciprocity. I do some really great things for you, Ben. Mm-hmm. You may or may not give me a referral. Mm-hmm. I'm sure I could at, make an ask down the road if I built up that, um, our, my friend Deborah Poneman calls it relationship capital. Mm. But it doesn't just work with money. It works with acts in your business as well. The more you give, the more we'll come back to you. Hmm. Let's um, let's talk a bit about that. And I think you, you certainly just did. But this idea of how, I suppose that is the answer to it in a way, but using generosity to build your business, right? Is yeah. that what you're referring to? Yeah, we could talk about it a couple of ways. Okay. One is, yes, if you can give financially, I always had a percentage of my revenues going into an account to be giving to causes that were important to me or causes that were important to other people. Mm-hmm. The other thing that um, I always did, we talked about referrals. I would set my goals, not just on like what was going to come to me, but who could I give to? I learned this from a woman named Suzanne Stone very early in my career. We were in a networking group. It was kind of like a leads group. And what she said to me is, Ellen, you you reap what you sow. And at these meetings, I want to be, you, we would stand up and share who we gave referrals to. She goes, I always wanted to be the person that gave the most referrals. People mm-hmm. would want to get to know me. I would help them. And I learned that from Suzanne super early in my career. And I always did that. And I get so excited. Like if I'm able to help someone else, it feels really, really good. And I've come to trust over the years that it will come back to me. Um, Yeah. So that's one thing with referrals. The other thing is when you're a generous person, people want to do business with you. It creates a corporate halo around you. So in our practice, I wouldn't give like mugs. I did early in my career with like my company name on it because who who cares? But I might give a charitable, um, I might give a gift that has some charitable components. So for a while in Chicago, there where I am, there was this uh, organization that was helping people getting back in, formerly incarcerated people getting back into the workforce and they made soaps. I would buy those soaps to give them as gifts for my clients. 
Um, When we'd have client events, I would do that also. Always have some charitable component. When my business had a big anniversary, Mm -hmm. I reached out to all my clients and said, what's your favorite charity? I want to make a $100 donation to it. Then I learned not only did I get to do that, but I learned what their favorite charity was. I learned in a different way how to support them going forward. Hmm. So um, I think there's lots of ways you could do it that are authentic for you. You know, maybe you're out volunteering and you meet people through that. Maybe you're on a board and you show up a certain way. You're giving, giving, giving. And it's, it's okay to have, that's a beautiful way for evidence how you are in the world, right? You're very responsible. You follow up. Then people are going to want to learn more about what you do. Hmm. Just to, I think one of the things that's been a common theme of what you talked about, and I really want to point this out for everyone that I think life, not just business, but certainly if you're in any kind of business, is what you've talked about, Ellen, is the idea of giving, but not feeling that you need to receive from that necessary source. Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. Right. And and you you may have read this book. I'm sure some of your um, audience has. There's a book called Give and Take by Adam Grant. Okay. And he talks about there's givers, there's takers, and there's matchers. We learn pretty quick those takers, we don't want to hang around, right? Mm-hmm. Those people that are always like, what can you do for me? They never ask, how can I help? What? Mm-hmm. And then the matchers are, you scratch my back, I'll scratch yours. Givers, it doesn't mean that you're just giving, 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 and taking all your time and not getting paid for things. You give within boundaries and things that you can um, help with. And um, and to some extent, you know, you're going to stop doing that, hopefully, if you're aware of this, to the takers after a while. It doesn't mean you do it for everyone, but maybe you mentor one of your client's kids. You don't think that's going to be awesome? Mm. You're building up these... Um, relationship Mm. points. That's so cool. Um, I want to hear your thoughts on this because right now I know there's a lot of fear in the world, right? There's a lot to, I mean, if you listen to the news, I think you're, (laughs) you're going to (laughs) be, think the world's going to crap. Um, And there's good economic times. There's bad economic times. Those vary all the time, but I want to hear what you teach people on how do you succeed in any economy, whether it's boom, bust. I mean, irrelevant. Talk to us about that. Well, a lot of it goes back to how you started this conversation. And I know what you teach about what is it that you're thinking about? You know, Mm. we make up stories all the time Mm. about what's going to happen. Oh my God, the market's been up for all these years. What if it goes down? Guess what? It's going to at some point. (laughs) We go through, that's what happens. There's cycles. There's Mm. lots of, um, I always like to say, like, let's make up a good story. Mm. They're made up anyway. Why not feel good about it? But, you know, in any economy, there are always opportunities. Many of the best companies started in difficult times. And the the thing I like to ask myself, and it doesn't always, not always an easy question right in that moment, but it's like, okay, if this was all some great big plan, why is this happening right now? What am I going to learn from this? What is a way that I can grow from this? And even if I don't know the answer in that moment, just asking that question opens the door for me to learn from it. Mm. Can I tell a quick story on this? That um, So um, I had been maybe 10 years into my practice as a financial advisor. I had a coach the entire time. She's still, you know, my coach. And 
I remember being on the phone with her. It was January in Chicago, which always is kind of a bummer anyway. And I was sitting at my desk and I was crying and I'm not a crier. And I just downloaded on Phyllis. I'm like, you know, my husband changed um, the way he was doing business. And all of a sudden his income went away, which felt like a unilateral decision, which I don't know if it was, but that's what it felt like. We had two little kids. I had changed my practice and my revenues were different. And we had real estate and there were some vacancies and we were running up credit card debt. And I'm just downloading. I felt so bad about this. I was pissed at my husband. I was embarrassed that I had this credit card debt. Here I am a financial advisor, like so embarrassed of this. And she listened in the most kind way possible. She slapped me over the, in the face over the phone and she said, Ellen, I get it. And I've known you a long time. And you're really thinking about this in a way that's way more scarcity focused than abundance focused. And um, it was really, it kind of woke me up. And in that moment when I was, first of all, I changed a lot of things after that. And within a year we were out of debt and my business skyrocketed after that. Hmm. But thinking about, um, you know, thinking about that situation, about turning it around in that moment, when I realized how embarrassed I was, I thought someday I'll be able to tell this story. Hmm. Took me like 10 years to even remember it and be able to tell it because I had a lot of shame around that. But now I realize that that's like a helpful learning tool that I can share with someone. So maybe yours is if you're a speaker, maybe it's a story you can tell someday, maybe you've built up muscles in your mm. business. Okay. Now I know how to run things in a more lean way and be more resilient. Like there's mm. always good things that can come out of a situation. That's so good. Yeah. I think what you're talking about is really how can you turn if you're going through challenges right now and it feels like, oh man, how am I going to handle this or whatever, or you've got that shame or embarrassment is realizing that you may not see it in the moment, but there is some higher purpose to what this is for. This is going to help benefit not just my life, but other people's lives in some way, shape or form. And, you know, even back to almost a hundred years ago now with Napoleon Hill's book, but that uh, every, um, every failure or every setback has an equal or greater opportunity inside of it. So good. So good. Uh, yeah. go Can I just wait make one other yeah. thing about fear? Because I think money has a particular edge on it for people, this fear and how yeah. important it is to find ways to calm that fear down. There was a book called scarcity and the researchers in the book found that when people's backs were really up against the wall financially, mm -hmm the fear level was so great that they were unable to make good decisions and their IQ actually dropped. No way. So hmm. you can't, you, you have to find ways to calm that a bit so you can start to see your way out, start to see who can help you with the situation you're in to be a little bit more creative. So um, I like to think of meditation or hmm. some other contemplative practice as actually being a financial strategy. Hmm. Because you can't, in your business or your personal life, it's so important to quell that fear. Wow. That is such a great strategy right there. You, you know, everybody, <laughs> as we've been talking about meditation, I've never heard it said that way. Think of it as a financial strategy just to put yourself in a calm energy, right? Energy to create rather than an energy to, to run away from. And yeah, amazing, amazing. Um, I want to, 
I want to go back a little bit on the idea of, uh, okay, I'm recognizing that maybe my relation with money hasn't been the best in the past. I want to make some changes with it. Um, I'm going to do a little journaling for sure. And, and I know, and I know you know as well too, that I, I think the way that if you want to create a new belief, you have to decide what you want it to be and repeat it over and over is a way to do it. All beliefs are repeated thoughts. So in the work that you've done, just kind of taking a step back, what, what would you say, even if it's to give people tips on what are some of the more empowering conversations to have with yourself around money or more empowering beliefs around money? I mean, I understand everyone comes up with their own, but yeah. So one of the visuals I've been working with most recently is this idea of being flowing with the current and flowing against the current. Okay. So, um, and and this is an awareness tool as well. So when we think about uh, swimming with the current, that's easy. It makes things easier. My husband did an Ironman in um, Louisville. And he did great on the swim and he's a strong swimmer, but part of it was also it's in, it was in the river. So he had the current helping him. So it helps us along. And there's thoughts we can have around money that have us in the current. The opposite is going against the flow, trying to go against the current. And it's just so much harder to do that. And the visual, I'm not a swimmer. Hmm. So the visual I have is in Chicago, when I used to go be downtown and go to the train, if I was going to the train at a wrong time, an off hour, all of a sudden, all these commuters would be going one way and I'd be trying to walk against them. And it was just took longer and it was harder and it was pretty stressful. Hmm. So when I think about going with the current ideas with money, um, it's things like having optimistic thoughts these good stories we tell ourselves, being responsible, not saying, oh, that's someone else's job, being a saver if we're getting super practical, mm. being generous, thankful, aware, collaborative, uh, sharing and trusting. And then against the flow mm. are when we notice we have thoughts like they're super competitive, like I can't share this idea because someone's going to steal it. Mm. If I do this, they're going to take business from me. Um, jealous, envious. Mm-hmm. Uh, this, oh, uh, it, it can show up a couple of ways. Like something good happens to someone, you know, and part of you is like, that should be me. Mm. Or you make something wrong with it. Oh, they're so materialistic that they just bought that Mercedes SUV. Hmm. Like it, instead of like, oh, good for them. Good right. for them. Right. Uh, stingy material, overly materialistic. I think it's fine to have nice things, but that like needing to do that hoarding, as you mm. brought up at the beginning, being not wanting to spend because you're so afraid, fearful, uh, irresponsible, mm. like caring for your money and resentful. Mm. So um, these thoughts, like to just check in, am I going with the current? Am I going with the flow or am I fighting it? And, uh, you know, sometimes we can be in that midi, muddy middle, like kind of stuck, like, okay, I know I should be doing more, but I can't. Um, and, and, you know, with that, it's sometimes just relaxing into it and not fighting against it. I yesterday had this thought about like, how do people get out of quicksand? I don't know why I had that thought because I was working on this. And uh, according to what I saw on YouTube, you kind of have to lean back and relax into it. And that wouldn't be that wouldn't be intuitive. No. And I think if you're if things are difficult or you're fearful, you feel like I, I got to um, I, I got to fight against it. And sometimes, like we talked about before, it's relaxing into it. And it's really like what I think of is is getting 
um, you know, getting support, going to a financial advisor or a great accountant or someone if you need professional support. It's getting um, uh, smart. Sometimes we just need to learn more mm. to move ahead. Like these terms feel confusing. You just need to learn a little bit more to raise your confidence levels. Mm. And um, I say getting away, and I don't mean like some big vacation, but it's getting uh, calm. Like mm. stop, if you can, that ruminating. So um, that was a lot just there. But mm. I think there's things to just notice. Am I going with the current or am I fighting against it? Hmm. I think that's such a great analogy of, of just being, whether it's in the current of money or, or the, the flow of life, right? Am I yeah. going in the flow of life or am I going against the flow of life? And, and it, what it sounds like to me is so much of this is almost probably the largest step is just to become more aware yeah. What am what am I thinking about? How am I feeling right now? What you know, rather than just automatic responses and continuing to do the same old, same old, but really stepping into you brought up meditation, you brought up mindfulness, uh, awareness, and really starting to pay attention to how am I showing up now? You know, yeah. And that is my first step. I have like kind of four pillars of being great with money, and it's aware is the first one. All the things we've been talking about, being clear. Mm. where do you want to go? Mm-hmm. Like, what is it that you really want and why, and who else is going to benefit from it? Uh, being aware, clear care. So you have to take care of things. We live in a material world. We're talking a lot about mindset. It's important. And you have to take action. Savers mm-hmm. are less stressed. Mm-hmm. They do better. They meet their goals better. If you're more responsible with your finances, things will feel less stressful. Uh, and then share. So that's that generosity part, aware, clear, care, and share. And if you do all that, mm. you'll really be enhancing your money relationship. That's awesome. That's so awesome. A lot of good stuff in here. We, we may have talked about this. I want to make sure that we, um, that we do. Uh, the idea of the intuitive, intuitive part of me money exercise, is yeah. that more that personal conversation or is that, or that something totally different? Yeah. So this idea, I think we're all intuitive with with money. Um, I used to, when I would meet with people as a financial advisor, I would say things like that. I just know if someone's going to be okay financially without even having to know any details about their finances. Hmm. And I thought, well, that's just because I had a lot of experience or I could listen differently, which I think that's true. Um, I realized later that I was highly intuitive. Like I actually I don't know. I feel like I have a bad phone sometimes to money and I can say like, Oh, what's up? Like, what do they really need to focus on and how do they need to feel better about things? But it's not just me that has that. I don't think many people think about it, but we are all intuitive. It's just sometimes some people are able to turn the volume up a little bit more on that. And one of the um, activities that I found has been so successful and so supportive for people that, you know, when I'm doing workshops or working with people, I'd suggest is to just write down the journal prompt money. What, you know, like you're writing to money. Mm -hmm. What do you want me to know? Mm. What do you want me to know? And I've never heard anyone say, you're not going to get an answer back. If you're really calm about this, like you're destined to failure. That is not going to be what you're going to get back. You're going to hear a message that's really, really impactful for you. And that's the beautiful way to create an affirmation mm. that you can really get behind because this is what money wants you to know. 
And just for some of you out there that are thinking, I hate journaling. Like, right. Cause I never thought I was a journaler and I actually type a lot of my journaling cause I'm too impatient. And I think there's supposed to be benefits for handwriting it, mm-hmm. but there's studies that have found. So there was one study that had two groups of people. One were told to that were laid off mm-hmm. and one were told to just journal for five days on their feelings. And the other group was told not to, you know, nothing like that. Eight months later, the group that was told to journal 67% had new jobs and only 27% of the non-journalers did. Wow. So there's really, there's like absolute benefits from it. So, and I'm not talking about hours, spend three or four minutes just journaling money. What do you want me to know hmm. and see what shows up? That's so cool. That's so cool. I, uh, I love journaling. It's been a part of my life for years and years and years. And, and I think um, if I was, if I was to die today and my kid said, Hey, what are two tools that I could have for the rest of my life to help me meditation and journaling, I think are the two mm-hmm. greatest things that Beautiful. any of us could engage in because you get to know yourself. Right. And I think what you're teaching, which is so wonderful is that just even the term intuitive, but it's just, I think it's just learning to trust your own guidance more. Yeah. And, but if you don't it- ask, And then taking action on it. So I don't know if this happens with you, Ben, but like if you're journaling and all of a sudden someone's name comes up, Hmm. what I got really good at usually, or I kick myself if I didn't, if someone's name came up, I try to reach out and say, hey, just thinking about you. And I don't know, 80% of the time, something beautiful came out of it. Might've been Hmm. a business opportunity or an introduction. And worst case, then I just connected with someone that was on my mind. Mm-hmm. So I'd encourage your, you know, I'd encourage you to be doing that as you have a thought, whether you're journaling or not, someone comes to mind to act on that. Reach out. That's a great tip. Yeah. Yeah. I think really, again, what you're teaching is developing your intuition. And every time that you act on it, you strengthen that muscle in a way. And uh, I've heard Bob Proctor talk many, many times about intuition as in a, in a sense of a muscle is that mm-hmm. you, you said it earlier, but everybody is intuitive. Just, whether we're listening and then as you just put it so well is acting on it, right? Acting on it. Yeah. Phenomenal. Phenomenal. Um, last question on this stuff. And then we're going to switch a little bit, but I guess if people are listening to this, okay, this is all good. All of it sounds awesome. I love the idea. I know I want to improve my financial life. Where do I get started? You've given a lot of tips, right? We've talked about a lot of different things. What would be the, if I'm not doing any of this, where would you direct people to start? Okay, the things that came to mind are really step uh, aware and care. Hmm. So aware is, okay, just start to notice. Like, what am I thinking about money? Just being a little bit more aware because most of the time we're just, actually 47% of the time people are thinking about something other than what's happening right now. So we're off in this like made up world and not right here. So just noticing, not beating yourself up, Oh, that's interesting. I just had this disasterizing thought that everything was going to crumble. Um, and then I would say start caring about your, your finances. So whether you're talking about your personal finances or your business, like actually know what's going on. Mm. I don't like budgets because I think they feel restrictive. Like, ugh, like no one wants, it's like being on a diet. No one wants that. Mm-hmm. But I do think it's important to know where your money's going. And mm. so what I like to think about is a prioritized spending plan, whether that's for your business or your personal life, like where's your cash going? And do you value where it's going? 
Is this something that's important to you? Are you spending money on things that are that you value? Um, and knowing, so knowing what, what is going out and what's coming in uh, and knowing what assets or, or liabilities you have, like things you own and things you owe. Hmm. Um, because I think sometimes people, especially if they're stressed, want to put their head in the sand and so, it's not always as bad as you fear. Hmm. Or if it isn't great, then you need to have those tools to get out of it. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. So begin just paying attention to what you're thinking about, how you're thinking about it, awareness of it non-judgmentally, and then uh, really start to put some care into your finances. Yeah. And yeah. I love that. That's awesome. Ellen, where can people connect more with you? They want to reach out to you. They want to hear more from you. Where's the best spots for them? Oh, yeah. So um, my website's ellenrogan.com, R-O-G-I-N.com. And um, as a special gift, if you go to ellenrogan.com forward slash gift, you can get, um, download a copy of my first book, Great With Money. Okay. And um, yeah, and then you'll learn about more messages from money and things like that. But that would be a good place. Cool. There you go. Wonderful. Get a copy of her book, Great With Money. Also, Picture picture your prosperity as well. Yeah, and that's on Amazon or wherever you get your books. That's wonderful. Well, thank you so much for your time. This has been awesome. I love sharing this message of abundance. I love sharing the message of, I think that more than ever, we're seeing people waking up to that there's a better way. Um, and it doesn't have to be a struggle. Life doesn't have to be. And, and you said it best that you can really get in the, the flow of it or in, in the flow of life and money and all of it. So I love what you're teaching. It's awesome. Thanks Thank so much. you. An honor to be here with you, Ben. Thank you. Everybody. Hey, thanks for listening again. Please make sure to share this episode. As always, share it with three people if you can. And let's get this message out there. More people need this. We know there's people that are, are currently struggling with money. And it's a couple simple shifts, a few simple shifts that can really make a big difference in somebody's life. And you have the ability to share that just as Ellen shared with us here today. So thanks for listening. We'll see you all soon.